and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Tuesday as we talk the world of sports. It is Trent Condon, a solo edition here today. Well, kind of. Not really. I got plenty of people, plenty of voices coming your way today. Coming up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list here at the bottom of the hour, Frank Garza is going to stop by. I was away on vacation last week when Ken happened an opportunity to talk with Frank. Well, now Ken's on his way to Vegas. We will... Turnabout is fair play. I'll get an opportunity to talk with Frank. And also, we got Luca Garza coming up later in the week. We'll talk a lot of basketball, a lot going on in the world, and what's the latest on that front, and some philanthropic efforts from the Garza family. We'll talk about that with Frank coming up here at the bottom of the hour. It is August. That means our daily training camp reports with Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mitch will stop by here today at 1050. College football, a lot to get into today with Bama Bob, as we will talk about Big Ten media rights, the top 25 from the coaches poll that was released yesterday, and a whole lot more with Bama Bob in the 11 o'clock hour. Then 1130, Dane Mizzitani from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. We'll talk Minnesota sports with him. Vikings training camp, twins clinging to first place. But before all that, the headliner here today, he's not an opening act. I just saw him bouncing around the halls today. He's off work. And he's hanging out with us. He is Sean Roberts. What's up, Sean? What's up, man? How's it going? I'm doing well. Just do, doing some stuff here at the station, and we're like, you're like, hey, you got 20? Want to talk? And I was like, yeah, turn the mics on. Let's do it. So two years ago, or two seasons ago, I made a huge mistake going into the year. <laughs> as the White Sox, your team, and the Twins, my team, were co-favorites going into the season to win the division. Well, I said, let's have a bet. So we had a bet. We put 20 bucks on it. Okay, whatever. But then I put this kicker in there. For people who missed this a year ago, again, the odds were basically even. White Sox are twins. And I'm not an optimistic fan in general, but I was optimistic about the 2021 twins. I said, let's do this. For every game that you win the division by, you get an extra five bucks. <laughs> well, it was 20. That's how many they won you, it by. You know, what's, you know what's funny about that, Trent, is I completely forgot about that bet. And one day, I think... We were texting and uh-huh. it came back like I was I was looking at our convo. I was like, I completely I forgot that I made that bet with you. And next thing you know, I go, I, th- I think I took the screenshot. I was like, uh, Trent. Yeah, yeah. I was ready for it. I wasn't even trying to be a jerk. Oh, I was like, I didn't even care if you wanted to pay it. I was like, I know that's that's oh, a lot, it. man. And oh, you yeah. did. You I did. paid it. Absolutely. I paid it. I'm, I'm not going to be one of those guys. It's going <laughs> to not get a redig out of bet. Not going to yeah. happen for me. I'm absolutely going to pay up and. As the season went on, Ken was he he laughed at me all last baseball season. I mean, absolutely. But coming into this year, I was desi- resigned to the fact that the White Sox were going to win the division, probably comfortably, you know, 8, 10, 12 games. My hope was the Twins maybe could just hang around and maybe get a wild card spot. That was my realistic. And then they get off to a good start. The White Sox struggle. So here we are now, week into August. I don't like my team very much. They're frustrating. The bullpen has stunk for four months. They're not a fun team. To watch. You sound like me. And then there's you. And, and I think I have it bad, but then I think about somebody like you, a White Sox fan. Yeah. It's got to be brutal because that team has to infuriate you because they're, they're too talented to be this bad. That's the, uh, yeah, that's the frustrating part. The, the talent is there. The talent's been there. Um, we were sold this, this rebuild 
back in 2016 when the Chris Sale trade initially happened, and and the fan base bought in. The fan base and they completely fought, bought in, me included. And you follow these guys throughout the minors, and it felt like every week you were getting a Charlotte Knights update, and you're like, man, they're they're almost here. And then one by one they would start coming. You know, uh, Yuan Mancada, Dylan Cease, Eloy Jimenez. Um, you know, Michael Kopeck, all these guys start popping up on the roster. And then you go into that 2020 season and you're like, okay, this is where they go out. They sign Yasmani Grandal to the highest contract that a white, that the White Sox have ever given out. Mm-hmm. Shocking to know it was only four years, like 70 mil, but like that was at the time and to this day, highest contract that the White Sox gave out. Um, but you're like, okay, we're going for it. They went out, they addressed the need. Like one of their one needs was going to be catcher. They go out and get it. And then, um, you go to the playoffs, you kind of fell off at the end of that stretch in 2020. You get to the playoffs, you lose the series against the Oakland A's. Um, like a week later, Ricky Renneria gets you know fired. Okay, mm-hmm. this is all happening the way it should be, in a sense. Like Ricky Renneria, unfortunately, he just happens to be the manager, did it for the Cubs too. Uh, the manager gets you through a rebuild, and then right when you're ready to take off, they replace you with the guy that's going to take you to the promised land. And all all signs pointed that it was going to be AJ Hinch, and like that was who the White Sox were going after. In fact, uh, then they go, they hire Tony LaRusso. It comes from out of nowhere. Bob, I'll never forget the day that Bob Nightingale tweet, tweeted that out that the White Sox are interested in bringing back Tony LaRusso to the organization to be the manager. Mm-hmm. And White Sox t- Twitter went up in flames. And um, I wasn't thrilled about it, but at the same time, you sit there and you go, Talent's going to be able to win, right? Like, mm-hmm. talent, no matter what, is going to be able to win. The manager is just kind of there to make sure that stuff doesn't fall apart. You talked yourself into it. You talk, you, you have to, right? But then you sit there and you know that A.J. Hinch was the guy. See, I don't have to. It, the AJ, <laughs> We're knew, different kind of sports fans that way. You knew A.J. Hinch was the guy because on the introductory photo for Tony La Russa had A.J. Hinch's autograph on it no. instead of Tony La Russa's. <laughs> so you're like, okay, why did we do this? Whatever. Okay, we'll buy in. We have to. We don't have a choice. So you buy in, and then you last year happens, and um, this team last year had a lot of mistakes, and this team last year had a lot of flaws to it that ended up getting exposed in the postseason, but throughout the season, because of the, the division that they played in, they were able to win it handily. Um, and they out-hit everybody. I mean, I think last year they finished, I think, third in home runs, I believe. So you're, the power overcame a lot of mishaps from roster configuration and, and and all that stuff. So then you go into the offseason. You get you get run out of the playoffs by the Houston Astros and you come into this season, you're the odds on favorite for a lot of people mm-hmm. to win the division. Your World Series favorite. Oh yeah. Like I think they were number them. 2. They were like in second next to the mm-hmm. Dodgers to win the World Series this year. And the season happens, and of course, because the White Sox can never get out of their own way, they don't fill the gaps that they needed to in the offseason, which Rick Hahn said that they were going to do in the offseason. Like, we know we need a right fielder, we know need, uh, we need a second baseman. Okay, well, they went out and signed Josh Harrison, another guy that probably is like, I think he's on a, like a minor league contract. Yeah. Okay, um, They don't address any of the outfield needs until a week before spring training or a couple days before spring training where they trade Kimbrell to the Dodgers for Pollock. But even then, that's still not addressing the needs. You still have two first basemen that are your outfielders at this point, um, and Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn. Um, so the offseason was a failure, in my opinion. Um, you go into the season, guys start getting hurt. That's been their pro- That was a problem last year. Injuries, injuries, injuries. It always just feels like as soon as co- someone comes back, another one goes down. 
It's been a struggle, man. It's been a struggle because they play really bad baseball. Like yeah. they play really, really bad baseball. They are the worst defensive team, I think, in baseball or close to it. Bullpen's brutal. Bullpen has been brutal. And that was the thing is they spent all their money on the bullpen. Yeah. Okay. They went out and signed Joe Kelly. They go out and get Kendall Graveman. That's great. Here's what also we find out throughout the season. None of these guys can pitch in back-to-back days. In fact, Joe Kelly in his contract had that he cannot pitch in back-to-back days until July. Okay, that's supposed to be your seventh inning guy, possibly eighth inning guy, and if Liam Hendricks can't go, he can close out a game. That's a problem. Kendall Graveman can't go back-to-back days. We found that out early in April. Like He, he refused to go back-to-back days because he knows his body. So, okay, you lose your two setup men, Without even you know, without even really playing a game yet, because mm-hmm. to me, if you sign a contract and you're the seventh inning guy, the eighth inning guy, the closer, you better be able to go back to back days. And if you can't, like that's on the organization. So I this goes back to me blaming the White Sox front office for roster configuration mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, but they, they're just they're they're not fun. The fun is gone. Yeah, I th- I told you before the show, and. I tried giving Tony LaRusso a chance, right? Like, I, I, I did my best. And you sit there and you, the players have to go out in front of the media and go, yeah, we support Tony. He's a great manager, this and that. Bull crap. The personality on this team completely changed. And it started last year on a 3 0 pitch up in Minneapolis yeah. when your mean Mercedes hit that home run. And he took Rocco Baldelli's, like, he, he apologized to Rocco for mm-hmm. that. And to me, I don't care how wrong it is for him to do that. Um, you can't take the manager, especially a rival. Like the Twins are the Sox rival, absolutely. And you, you, you sat there and you apologized to them, and you, you, you. I mean, and Yurin Mercedes's career fell flat completely after that, and he was like one of the best stories in baseball. So it's just, it's one thing after another. I started this thing on White Sox Twitter hashtag. <laughs> it's always something. And because it is, every day you run into something new that you've never seen before, like a triple play because they don't know how to do base running. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating, it's infuriating. But here's the, here's the issue and why I feel like I'm in baseball hell. Because the Twins, and even the Guardians, have refused to pull away in this division. Yeah. And the White Sox are hanging around just enough to keep me interested and on you, a daily basis. You got that glimpse that if they can just... Stay healthy. Get Put together and you some get bats. In, and because they are talented yes. and they figure it, and crazy things have happened in the playoffs. Bad teams have gone on oh. runs. You just get in, and that's what gives you that fleeting hope. See, I don't have that hope. I don't have that hope with this team because as bad as it's been for you, it's even worse over here as a Twins fan. 18 straight playoff losses. Not 18 straight series losses. Games. You could put the Tigers team from 15 years ago that lost 120 games up against the 1926 Yankees, and they're not going to lose 18 straight games. Yet that's what has happened in the playoffs. I'm so beat down that it's not that. You have that glimmer. Just get in. And maybe, just maybe, that, that glimmer is gone for me. I, I cannot envision a scenario where this team gets on a run. I cannot envision a scenario where it all starts clicking. I have been so beat down. And by Minnesota sports in general... <laughs> I mean, it, it is brutal. You Are think you excited to talk Minnesota, Minnesota sports later? Well, and, and that's I, I can't. At least I'm not a Vikings fan. I'm a Bears fan, which might be worse. <laughs> you want to talk about I mean, what's going on there? It's keep going, Trent. But we're this talking about I mean two cities that are important here in our market, 
and it just sucks. Oh, it's it's not enjoyable, man. And I we were I, talking before the Blackhawks. Where's the hope there? There is no hope, and and I feel terrible for for Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, guys that will get statues out front of the United Center and that deserve it, and and were a part of what brought hockey back to the city of yes. Chicago, and and even you know I was a hockey fan prior to 2010 with the Blackhawks, but I. I'd pay attention, but it wasn't where I'm watching every single game, mm-hmm. you know. And they brought that to the city, and the, that dynasty run, um, the three cups in six years, like th- those years will mean the world to me. Um, but you look at what they're doing now; it's a complete teardown, it's a complete rebuild. But you're trying to do it with a couple of veterans. That the only reason that those two are still on the team is they have unmovable contracts, mm-hmm. and they are the only thing that's going to put butts in the seats in the United Center this year. You go over to the north side of town for, for the Cubs. God only knows what's happening. Like, that I think is the, baffling, the, isn't the, 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 I, I know you love to rib the Cubs fans. I do, but, but I also have, I, I tell Heather this all the time. I can talk real. Mm-hmm. Like I, can, I, can, yeah. I look at it from a baseball fan standpoint. I don't get it. I'm the same way. The Cubs are good for business for us. We want the Cubs Absolutely. to be good and relevant. And I'm not dumb. As much as, much as I, <laughs> I hate on them and rip on them, I, I know when the Cubs are doing good, that means it's good for every, it's, Absolutely. It's good for baseball. It's important for what we do when we have the Cubs that are relevant. Absol- and I watch Absolutely. a lot of Cubs games when they're good. Last night I had it on because there wasn't anything else on in the local front. But I wasn't watching. I hit Morel. See, Morel hit the home run. He's a fun kid, isn't he? He's going to be good. You found he's that fun, one. man. You found a guy, and that's what it is, but I don't understand as an organization. What's the game plan? What's the blueprint know. here? I don't know, but that's the thing when you look into, when you're going through that rebuilding period, which they refuse to call it a rebuild, like just call it what it is. Well, and you and I, we understand this because of our teams. Mm-hmm. Though the White Sox are in a big market, they're not I, a big market team. No, no, they're not, and that's a problem. Yes. That's a major problem. The Twins are a mid-market team. I hate when they're called small market. Look, Minneapolis is the 11th biggest city in the country. Let's stop calling <laughs> They're not a small a, market it's not team. A sm- they're a mid-market team. They're a mid-market team, yes. And everybody in this division, the American League Central that we watch, they go through the same process. You build it up, and then it gets expensive. Maybe you, get you catch fire. Yeah, and maybe you catch fire, and and you are able to make a couple playoff runs, and maybe a World Series mm-hmm. run. And if not, okay, then well, you do it again. Yeah, in you three years, yeah. we'll we tear it down. But the like, Cubs refuse to say that, though. No, and and here's the thing: is like it's okay to say it. It's okay to admit it because the beautiful thing that they have that not a lot of people do is they have Wrigley Field, mm-hmm. and no matter how bad that team is. No matter how good that team is, Wrigley Field is always going to have 25,000-plus in there. Yep. And not every team has that. Not every organization has that. And so just admit what it is. And and like I'm okay with what they did with Ian Happ at the trade deadline. Like Ian Happ still has another year. I get it. Like mm-hmm. you, you might be able to work something out with him. The Wilson Contreras thing. That's a head-scratcher. I feel terrible for the dude. I really do. Because... To go through what he's gone through over the last year, the offseason, the first few months of this year, mm-hmm. going through the last couple of weeks up until the trade deadline, like that's not good for anybody. That's not good for anybody's mental health. And then at the end of it, oh, hey, you're going to stay. Right. After all oh, the hugs. And by the fact, if you go sign somewhere else in free agency now, now you're probably going to lose money because the value on you is gone. Mm-hmm. You're a 30-year-old catcher. Right. So and now you're costing the dude money. What, what kind of deal is it going to be? And the Cubs on their front, too. All right, we didn't get the package that we wanted for Wilson Contreras. All right, so you're going to get a pick in the compensatory round, which is you know between 32 and 52. And usually. it's probably going to be a guy that we're never, ever going to see. Exactly. Or Th- hear of. This is not a surefire guy. This is no. not a top 10 pick that you get. Best case scenario, you're either taking a college guy. That's pretty good. 
solid college guy that's still going to take probably three, four years to get there, or you're taking a shot at an 18-year-old that's going to be more than likely, because they're not that elite-level talent, six or seven years. Yeah. That's what you're looking at. Well, it, By that time, Wilson Contreras might probably retired. And this is and this is where this team gets really confusing, because then I see a report today, I think Ken Rosenthal put out there, that the Cubs are the favorite to land Carlos Correa in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this, Trent, but there was a... Um, Steven Nelson, he works for MLB Network. He was on 670 The Score in Chicago probably three months ago and came out with, he was like, he's like, I have a strong source that Carlos Correa in the offseason prior to the lockout Mm -hmm. pretty much had a deal in place to be a Chicago Cub. It was like, it was going to be some crazy deal, $300 million, whatever the case is. Well, during the lockout, Carlos Correa changed up his representation. He did. He went to Boris. He went to Scott Boris. Mm-hmm. Well, Scott Boris comes in late into the game, right after the lockout, and was like, and a percentage of that would go to his old agent. Yep, and a per- yes. Yeah. So he was like, here, take the one year or the the three year deal. That's one, one year, year deal. one year deal with options. Mm-hmm. Go up in Minnesota, rebuild your brand, not rebuild your brand, keep continue your brand. Mm-hmm. Go out there, do what Carlos Correa does, and then we'll opt out after this season and see what happens. And I even said when he signed with the Twins, and I saw the way the contract was constructed, I was like, there's no way. That I think I truly believe that if the Twins were were not in first place at the trade deadline, that they probably would have looked at moving him. Yeah, and because they are, it's very. But you can't. You, you can't, can't when no. you're in first place, right? No, absolutely like, not. No matter. How, and and the thing is, and we talked about this in the beginning. Right now, as AL Central fans, whether you're, you're a Guardian fan, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we're all playing for our demise in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> and the thing too, and the crappy thing for the white for if you're a White Sox fan, is. The AL Central should not be good enough and be satisfied enough for this front office. It should be, and this is their words. Like we're world, we're going for the World Series. Mm-hmm. It's a failure. It's a failure. And I have no confidence in the world that they're even going to win the division, let alone go to the playoffs and make a run. Yeah, that's where we are. Two broken down AL Central. Miserable. Fans. It's it's a rough existence. God, you want to go an hour on the AL Central? Oh, we definitely could. <laughs> but we do have some other things percolating. Sean Roberts hanging out with me here. It's Trent Condon on a solo edition. Ken on his way to Vegas. In fact, his uh, bird's getting in I the gotta air. Do my best Ken. I got to do my best Ken here. Let's talk, let's talk some, you want to talk some like Vancouver? You want to talk some Canada? <laughs> no, some no, hockey? We're, no. We're staying away from the Canadians. We're going to the Big Ten. So the report last night from John O'Ran, Sports Business Journal. We've had John on the program a bunch of times throughout the years. He is an excellent reporter. So when he says something, you know it's it's very close to fruition. We've been talking about this deal for months now. And the last couple of weeks, where it felt like it was trending, and became, for all intents and purposes, official today, as ESPN now has pulled out of their no- negotiations with the Big Ten. Many people believe last night was, all right, we're going to feed this information to Oran. We're going to get the final best offer from ESPN. And if we don't get what we want, then this is what it's going to be. So now with ESPN out of the negotiations, this is what the Big Ten TV deal is going to look like. You're going to have the big noon kickoff, 11 a.m. Central time. That will be, most weeks, the number one pick. That's a primetime game for Fox. That's yep. the best game of the day in the Big Ten. That will be that 11 a.m. game. 2.30 now. Well, it will be on CBS. So now we will get to hear the glorious, glorious music. Leading into some Big Ten football. See, that, that, this is going yeah. to throw me off, man. Oh, it's going to be great. I hear this song at 2.30. I'm yeah. thinking it's Alabama versus Auburn. I'm thinking Army-Navy. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. like, you know what I mean? 
It's going to throw me off. So hear, I remember Big Ten games you know, on CBS growing up. We're going to tune in. It's uh, Indiana taking on Rutgers. It won't be Coming that. up next. It'll be Michigan State-Iowa. It'll be... I hope, man. Wisconsin against Penn State. It'll be the second choice of games. It'll be Ohio State-Nebraska. That's what you'll get there. Them along with NBC. Well, you watch a lot of NBC for your I, Notre Dame I, Fighting I, I Irish. Do. I do. Your nightcap, then, will be also over-the-air broadcast network NBC. As they have Sunday night football, they wanted to partner now with Saturday night football. It'll be a Big Ten game there. It'll be CBS and NBC basically splitting kind of the number two choice. They'll go back and forth most weeks. A few times, maybe once or twice a year, they will get the top choice of the week. But that is what you're going to get every single week. 11 a.m. Fox, 2.30 CBS, 7 o'clock NBC, over the air, your cable cutter, it doesn't matter. Everybody can get these games. I'm interested to see what happens with the NBC deal because, to me, so the Notre Dame deal with NBC ends in 2025. Mm-hmm. To me, how are you going to, and Notre Dame, I think, only plays like five or six games on NBC. So obviously it's up to seven is the most. Yeah. Seven, yeah. yeah. So you're gonna have you're gonna have fillers and stuff like that on away games mm-hmm. and, and stuff like you know. What happens? Say, and I don't know what this with all this stuff happening and conference realignment. It does Notre Dame join a conference or not? But if they stay, if it stays how it is, what happens at the fact that say in 2025, Clemson's coming to town? They want to take on Notre Dame at 6:30. Think NBC is gonna. Or, or at 7.30, pass that along for, or pass that up for Maryland, Northwestern? No, it'll probably be in the contract where I would say probably twice a, a year, maybe automatically once a year, possibility of twice a year, that it'll shift, yeah, and you'll yeah. have that direction. Now, I personally, and I've talked with Pete Sampson from The Athletic, who covers <laughs> Notre Dame, um, I personally believe at the end of all this, Notre Dame will end up in the Big Ten. I, I truly do. Yeah. But he also, he's also stated, he's like, if the Big Ten and the SEC come to Notre Dame and say, hey, you can still play our teams, mm-hmm. there's a, there's still a way to the playoff. That's the important part. There's still a way for you to figure out a national TV deal. Mm-hmm. You can keep your independence. Notre Dame will keep their independence. They like they yeah. they will They have to be strong armed for it to go well. It's gonna it's gonna have to be, hey, you can't play for a national title. Yep. And until that happens, Notre Dame ain't going anywhere. The Big Ten looks from a Notre Dame perspective much better now. Because they consider they don't want to become just another football program in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. Nope. They nope. want to be a national brand, and that's what they are—a national brand. And joining a conference dilutes that national. And that's brand. why. And that's why people always get. Well, I don't. I don't get Notre Dame. Listen, when when you have a conference go, we'll wait for Notre Dame to call us, mm-hmm. like, and we'll take that call. Yep. And when we take that call, we're ready. That's power, and not the Sun Belt or no. Conference USA. No, the Big no. Ten's willing to wait. The SEC and they, would be willing to win. As they should. And mm-hmm. Notre Dame brings in so much money for anything that they do. Yeah. So I I look forward to one day being able to watch Iowa taking on Notre Dame and South Bend. Oh, like, boy. That gets me going. That, yes. that gets me going. One, because obviously I'm a Notre Dame fan, but then I get to cover it. Yes. Ah. Let's get that. Soon. It's happening. It's happening. Good news there. Also, one other thing. This is great news also for the Big 12. This is great news if this plays out and there is what it looks like now. No ESPN for the Big Ten. That's a lot of inventory. And though they have basically the whole SEC package now between ESPN and ABC, they need more content. 
The Pac-12, this is good news for. They want to fill that late window. But the Big 12, this is music to your ears. Look, you can't just put up South Carolina-Arkansas games nonstop on ESPN. You have to have a little bit of variety. And this is an opportunity. No. This is an opportunity now to fill that out. You want to have an ABC 11 o'clock game? The possibility is going to be there. Leading into that 2.30 kickoff that SEC will have with their top game. There is a lot of positives here away from the Big Ten perspective. Look, nobody's going to catch up to what the SEC and Big Ten are doing financially. In terms of TV dollars, they're on their own level. We all get that. But look, you and I sports have not gone away. Drake still has athletics. For the people that were singing the doom and gloom of the Big 12 and what these institutions were going to do, they're going to survive. They're going to be fine. And much like Notre Dame, if you have access to the playoff, you're going to be all right. And that's and that's ultimately... Can you put a water slide in your football complex? Maybe not. That's okay. <laughs> but that's but that's ultimately what this all boils down to. And we still we're never going to know until it actually happens how this playoff format's going to look. Who's invited? Who's not invited? Mm-hmm. Does the SEC just say? Blank all you guys. Right. We're going off and doing our own thing. We don't even we don't even want the Big Ten a part of it. Right. Like we don't know. Right. So we sit here every day. We we're like, okay, let's go over some options. Let's go over some options. I think it's good for the Big Twelve. I think it's good for the Pac twelve or whatever is going to happen with the Pac twelve. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I we'll see. We'll, we'll see. And it's going to be good stuff. Yes. It's yes. going to be ultimately it's good for everybody. Yes. Good for everyone. With that, hey, thank you, buddy. Yeah, man. This is a quick 25 minutes. It, it, it flies, doesn't it? And there's so much <laughs> thank you more for having to me, get man. into. No, it's been good. And we'll do it again here real soon. And that, you, tell, you tell Frank yes. that I'm ready to take on Luca one on one. All right. I'll let him know because he's coming up next. Frank Garza joins the program as we take you up until noon. It's Miller and Condon. I- KXNO, I'm Trent Condon. Ken on his way to Las Vegas. I'll be there on Thursday. Looking forward to another great trip to Vegas and going out to Circus Sports. We'll be there watching the Field of Dream games on Thursday. And a big sign-up weekend for their football contest. We'll talk about more as the week progresses on that front. But right now, we're going to go to a guy. Well, he was at Circa not too long ago. He is Frank Garza. Frank, thanks for giving us some time here today. I saw the pictures. How was your experience in Vegas at Circa? Such a privilege to be on. uh... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, hey, thanks for mentioning that. We had a great time with Derek Stevens and the whole group, David and mm-hmm. Miles and, and uh, Chris out at Stadium Swim. Just really a fabulous time. And uh, we even hosted an event there up on top. Brought Coach Fran out there with Joe Wieskamp and Patrick and Connor and, and Luca. They even got to go on uh, decent uh, trend, do a little <laughs> spot. So it was really, really first class the way they do things. I can see why. What a what a fabulous venue to go out there and watch the Field of Dreams game. 
It was uh, a lot of fun. It's a great time. I was out there for the Big Ten tournament during conference tournament week the last time I was out there. Got to see Bohannon hit the shot against Indiana, and I had a bunch of Hoosier fans behind me that finally shut up. So that was a pretty fun day there at the sports book. But, you know, Frank, uh, basketball, I'm a huge junkie. I grew up in the state, and for me, people talk about Hawkeye football and their love of that and, and tailgating and getting to Kinnick Stadium. For me, a kid of the 80s. I'm in my 40s now. It was all about Iowa basketball. It was the only thing that was on during the wintertime. Hawkeye basketball holds a really special place in my heart. And your son, Luca, coming from D.C., making the experience, take us back to that time and getting the vision of Fran McCaffrey and, and you talking to Luca about his game. He had opportunities. He had offers. He had chances to play for big pro- programs close to home. Ultimately, what was it that sold him making the move to the middle of Iowa, going out to Iowa City and becoming a Hawkeye? Well, hey, Trent, thanks for sharing, um, you know, your story there about how, how you know, come wintertime. And uh, for me, it was the same thing as a boy. The hoops, getting that Sports Illustrated in the mail because mm-hmm. it would have the covers. Basketball was time for, you know, the big sky hook from Jabbar over Wilt, you know, or some fantastic photo that, that was really only way I could get access where I was growing up. And uh, so I, I so fondly remember what it, you know, the joy and love for the game that really stems from being a boy and, and, uh, and in the winter winter time. In fact, we have that saying at our family, which is the winter will tell what the summer did. So if you're sitting around the summer not working, not getting better, not doing something different, not growing, expanding, oops, come winter, it'll show. You know, it'll show. So great question about, hey, what was it really truly that brought us to to Iowa City before Luca was Luca, right? This is before he was, you know, who he is now and his name in Jersey retired. Uh, and it's one of the things, Trent, that um, just settles when, when he came to Luca and I, we were talking about this idea, what's going to be happening August 19th there in Urbandale. We're going to have an evening and talk about these kinds of questions in great detail. And uh, I just want to put a shout out to John Lamb out there at the coal mine mm-hmm. at Handel University, where he's been such a, uh, you know, so wonderful trend to basketball, sports, uh, how I met my wife, you know, it's, it's how all these wonderful things happen just because of the intention to be the best you can be in a sport. And then you meet people along the way. Well, John's one of them. And so happy to now. I'll know him for the rest of our lives. So how, what, what a neat thing about that. And it's been my experience that way in a lot of Iowa, but for sure when we're doing something and coming and, 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 and uh, doing something maybe a little bit unique, a little bit different uh, than people are used to, this topic, Trent, does carry some, oh, my gosh, that's, that's a very sensitive topic. Exactly. <laughs> Luca and I believe, Jeff believes, even stronger than us, <laughs> just because he's had an insight seeing his development from his first year to the surgery to coming back at the 2K Empire Classic and being MVP of that after having a seven-hour surgery just six weeks earlier. So it's like all these things, this journey, there's a lot in there that I feel Luca does too and just as strongly that in light of a time now, Trent, for a young athlete, girl or boy, that we're looking at saying, okay, now you can monetize name, image, and likeness. Oh, by the way, you got to get a tax ID number. Oh, by the way, you need to incorporate. You have to do an LSD. Oh, by the way, you need to do that. Oh, by the way, they're growing up much faster, Trent. Right? Mm-hmm. There's such so much more help they need from mom and dad that they never, ever, not never, ever, Forgive me for saying that. That, that, never, that was not accurate at all. 
But in today's time, the role uh, or the, 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 the that fatherhood, parenthood, guardianship, being a interested party in their athletic career, which could include a scholarship, a music, music scholarship, a poetry, or, you know, even look at Marissa Mueller from Canada, uh, Hawkeye. She's a Rhodes Scholar. She's an Oxford right now. Just fantastic things happen there with involved Frank, parents. it's, uh, I'll tell you, looking at what you guys are doing here, again, it'll be, on Friday, August 19th is the one here in Central Iowa in Urbandale at Handel University. John does high school basketball games with me. He's a guy that you certainly never will forget, as you said, Frank. And it should be a great event there. So you can go to LucaGarzaAcademy.com. You mentioned Jess Settles being there. And it's a question that I have. I have two young children right now, a 7-year-old and a 2-year-old. It is Completely changed my perspective on things. My son, he, he loves being out there. He's got the golf club. That's his favorite thing right now, swinging the club around the yard, hit the ball around, trying to get that basketball in his hand to do those types of things. You've cultivated, obviously, a great player in your son, Luca, and what it was. You know, you talk about those tough conversations, the, the times that it does get difficult, and you're still, you know the kid loves the game. What are those conversations like as a father? And and knowing you want to push, but you're also still a father. It it has to be incredibly difficult. And the payoff that you've obviously got to see with your son playing in Iowa, playing in the NBA, but those difficult moments, how how did you handle that as a father? Yeah, that's another fantastic question, Trent. Thank you for that. I would say this. It's like it's one of the things I want to share. And I would like Luca to share his perspective of it, because he and I, we don't know the questions, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> From jazz, right? He's just going to do it. But here's here's the situation. There's an old Latin saying. I won't, you know, uh, smash it by, by, by trying to speak Latin. But it, it states that the end depends upon the beginning. The end depends upon the beginning. So if we can, whether our kids talk about what that future looks like for them, what they see, what's really driving them, what brings joy and curiosity, and you can foster that. Yes, I had videotapes around. Yeah, you go watch TV. All there were were videotapes. There weren't any movies. There was just basketball, right? Yeah, there was a basketball over here, but I didn't push them. I led consciously, constructively as a parent. But I had him define what the future looked like, which was being the best he could be as a hooper, regardless of where that went. Didn't mean it would make, will I play in the NBA? Who knows? Is that why we're doing that? No, we're doing it for what reason? Oh, education. Oh, why do we want education? Well, I'll get a good job. Why do you want a good job? Well, I want to be, oh, why do we want to do that? And the more clear and lucid we could define that future, that then we could go back to that trend. When we hit stumbles in the, in the way, when he was an eighth grader, and he couldn't even touch the ball because guys would grab it out of his hand so fast here in D.C. Mm-hmm. You know, he could trip over the foul line still as an eighth grade, right? Uh, it's a painted line, right? So it's like all these things. It's like, okay, where do we want to be? Let's focus on that, not where we are right now. And if, if we do that, and I want to share that story in several examples that happened from grade school all the way up to, to college, to NBA, where we went back to that definition of what the future is, because if we don't define that, or we define it loosely, it's, in other words, it's not clear then the way you're going to get there is not going to be as efficient. In fact, you may give up because the picture of the future is not as clear as the current present picture, which sometimes is more comfortable to stay in that comfort zone as opposed to grow 
expand and become better. He is Frank Garza, Luca Garza Academy, going on, uh, coming up, in fact, starting next week. And if you're not in central Iowa, and we got a lot of listeners with both the podcast and online with iHeartMedia, Davenport, that'll be day one. That's on Tuesday, August 16th. Wednesday the 17th in Cedar Rapids at Game On 380 Sports. And then finally here a week from Friday, August 19th at Handel University up in Urbandale. John Lamb's gym up there. And an opportunity for you to get involved. Grades through through 8, those happen in the morning. And then the high schoolers, grades 9 through 12 in the afternoon at all three of those locations. And it's not just the skill development, though, though that's a big part of it, right? Opportunity to find out how Luca, how he always got that elbow just in the right spot, right? Those big guys trying to figure out those kind of things and, and the different skills, but it's more than that. Not just skills inside the game, but skills for life. Is that a, a good way to put it, Frank? Well, that's an excellent way to put it. There are, you know, I mean, I say that hoops, basketball is, is life in the miniature. The things you learn when you learn how to practice are life skills you learn when you prepare for a job or your test or interacting with other people because you've done it on the court. So exactly right. We're going to teach inside-out basketball, not just outside, forcing it in. We're going to talk about why we're doing these things. We're going to understand how many breaths we take a minute and why should we take so many and how should we breathe. We should also going to understand how we put our socks on it properly how we tie our shoes properly because our feet are the most important. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's real fundamental but gets skipped over uh, in a lot of places just because uh, of, of time and, and, and uh, experience. What's the latest on Luca? What's uh, what's happening with him right now? I know I'm going to have an opportunity for myself to talk to him a little bit later in the week, but what's going on as you guys are getting ready for, of course, the camps? What else is happening and people wondering, you know, what's happening with the NBA? Yeah, thank you for the question. You know, we had a, a nice summer league. You know, they got you know they actually gave out a ring this year, Trent. You know, so they actually had a championship ring that was fairly suspicious uh, looking. You know, rotating around, so that was a fun experience to go through that. So yeah, right now we're getting ready for uh, spring, not spring. Forgive me for training camp that's starting in September. Uh, I posted some stuff, you know, about the Tarzan Initiative of some of the new things we've done now. How Luca looks differently. Uh, than he did in college because the game requires it. How now he is more of a, you look at him on defense, he's like, man, the guy can really move. And, and he and this is the first time this summer league, and, and, and even the whole entire time in the NBA, the first time ever he was rated excellent on man-to-man defense. Wow. That just shows you where this kid is in terms of constantly reinventing his game, which is another lesson for everyone out there, which is what you do today doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help you in the future. The experience will, but you must adjust, adapt, react, and attack to the present situation in front of you. And that's what he's doing there. So he's he's looking forward to it. There's some options I'll let him fill you in on, mm-hmm. just because I think he'll, I'll, I'll let it come from him, Trent. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, but he's doing what he's doing, which is working hard. We put in, uh, you know, four workouts a day, uh, not counting our meditation work. He's, his diet is incredibly discipline uh his uh body fat is uh, in the nine percent range his uh even at one time it was eight percent so it's like he's really doing the things you need to optimize because face it there's only 450 jobs in the nba in the entire globe <laughs> fighting for 450 uh positions that's a pretty elite 
uh, group, would you say? Yeah, it absolutely is. And he's been a part of it last year, and he's going to get a shot again this year. Uh, that's certainly the hope. Frank Garza joining us. Hey, Frank, what a final thing. I want to tell you, I'm a huge Tony Kornheiser fan going out to your uh, lands out there in D.C. and watch him on PTI all the time now for 20 years. Love listening to him back when he was on the radio, and now he has a podcast. And uh, Tony Kornheiser's son, Michael, was Luca's English teacher, I believe his ninth grade year, maybe in, in high school, something like that. And he always had nothing but glowing things to say about it. And it was just, it's so great to hear somebody on a national level that has no connection to Iowa talking about what a great young man, even as a freshman that you had raised and, and just how cool that is for me, a, a fan of somebody getting to hear a national person talk about Luke in that realm. It's been a great run. It's been a great experience. And I'll tell you from Hawkeye fans that this one included a huge Iowa basketball fan. Thank you. Thank you for helping lead Luca to us and what he was for Iowa basketball. It's, it was so much fun to watch. Well, uh, thank you for saying that. And that story that Marie teacher, I know that I know, thank you so much for saying that, that that'll be Luca will have a big smile on his face yeah. as do I thank you for saying that. And Hey, you're most welcome. It is our field of dream. Hmm. You know, you got a plan. You can make it so in in Iowa, and I just think that's a beautiful cultural that he, that's unique to the entire state. So, thank you again, Trent, having me on, and and uh, Sam, have a great time out there in Vegas, and you too when you get out there. Yes, I, I definitely will. You don't have to tell me twice. That's for sure, Frank. Always have a good time <laughs> at Circa. Hey, appreciate the time today. It's been a lot of fun. Again, it is the Luca Garza Academy. You can go to lucagarzaacademy.com. Find the skills camp. August 19th on Friday. That's when it's happening here in Central Iowa at Handel University. Earlier in the week in Davenport and Cedar Rapids. Frank, always good to catch up with you. Thank you so much. All right. Very good. Thank you so much, Trent. That is Frank Garza. LucaGarzaAcademy.com slash SkillsCamp. That's where you can go find all the information to get your youngster involved with the camp. Should be a great time. You know, hey, speaking of uh, Handel University, if you haven't been out to that gym, gym I got a big, the old Hawkeye Hardwood. That's right, from Carver Hawkeye. Before they got the new floor, what was that, four or five years ago? That is in that gym there in Urbandale at Handel University. And that's what will be happening here, Central Iowa. LucaGarzaAcademy.com with all the details. Quick timeout. And then it's time for Mitch, our, we, our daily conversation with the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is Mitch Holtis, and he is next. Miller and Condon, take you to noon on 106.3. I'm- KXNO. I'm Trent Condon. So low today, but we got some great voices for you. You don't have to just listen to me throwing on and on and on. No, we got lots of people, including our daily guest during the month of August. He is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. You hear him all across the Midwest in the dulcet tones on Sundays, Thursdays, Mondays, and here on a Tuesday with us, he is Mitch Holtis. Mitch, as always, appreciate your time today. A busy one, it sounds like, down there at training camp. Full day in pads, and a lot of pads popping here on a, a actually somewhat cool summer afternoon. Full plate. Full plate today, Trent. Uh, the NFL allows a two-hour and 25-minute practice, and the Chiefs will practice two hours and 25 minutes. Not 224, not 223. Uh, it's Coach's method of training. Uh, I've seen it now. It's my 10th camp watching him where he pushes. He's like a uh, training and Olympic distance runner. Like he pushes, 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 backs off, pushes again. This is a big push day. Uh, tomorrow with an off day for the players, that begins to pivot 
for preparing for Saturday afternoon against Chicago. But today, there's no thought of Chicago or Saturday. This is getting the work done. A lot of work still to be done. And you go through these training camps. It feels like there's always a skirmish. There's some pushing and shoving. There, There's something that happens seemingly in every single camp. Have you seen much of that yet? Has there been that time where they're sick of hitting each other and they're ready to hit somebody else? What is the digit before one, Trent? Zero. Zero. There has been zero. None of that. Hmm. I've been around coaches who like that, think that's cool, uh, builds toughness. Um, Andy Reid hates it. Okay, uh-huh. he hates it. If a skirmish breaks out, he'll just like like two cats fighting in the backyard. You just spray water on him and get him out of there. It's just counterproductive. Like he hates it, and there has been none of that. There's enough guys around here that know they don't do that, dude, and tells everybody else. His way of building toughness is more of a grind and endurance. Uh, just I gave you the analogy of a distance runner. He'll build his toughness, but to sit here and try to give guys pugil sticks and duke it out, it's not. It's counterproductive. In a real game, it's a penalty. So it's stupid. It's just uh, there's zero of that in this camp. Interesting. Good stuff there, certainly, as we look at things. Well, usually when it does happen, it's the guys up front. And a guy we wanted to talk about a little bit today is one of the big pieces. If this defense is going to be the defense that we saw over the last couple of months of the season, guys like Frank Clark need to play maybe the highest of their ability for a big part of the season. What do you see out of well, Frank? We know what he's right, how good he can be. Well, my theme this week are the Renaissance men, mm-hmm. the guys who need to or have shown so far in this camp, jumping it up a notch, right? And two guys on defense, because they eat up a lot of the cap, are Chris Jones and Frank Clark, and they're the focus. Today I'm talking about Frank. Thursday I will talk about Chris. i got a surprise for you tomorrow. Um, but in the case of Frank Clark, it's, it's really – this spring must have been an epiphany for him. He's like the different person. And he's gone through a lot of adversity. He lost his father. Um, not an adversity, but he had a third child, a son, uh, just recently in June. Uh, we know he had some off-field off field problems uh, in L.A., right? In last offseason, not this year. But this offseason, he wasn't around. He wasn't at OTAs, wasn't a mandatory minicamp. So you're wondering, hey, what's Frank going to be at camp? This has been his best camp, but it's not even close. He's lost weight, he's slimmed down, and he's been a menace. He just made a play uh, on team. They're going big red zone here, 30 yards on end, and they ran a end around um, to Mark Valdez Scantling, and he's sitting there waiting on it. it, it I mean, he's, he's just doing everything right every day, and it's been his attitude, and uh, he's helping George Karloftis. He's like yeah. taking Karloftis under his wing and been like Mr. Miyagi with it. Uh, it's, I'm like, who is this Frank Clark I'm seeing? Uh, and I talked to him, and he just said, I've gone through a lot. I, I, I'm back to the wolf is smiling, okay? That's what he said. The wolf is smiling. And if you're a Chiefs fan driving around Des Moines right now or you're an opponent, you'll either be happy or cringe. Because if Frank Clark, the shark, has a wolf back in him, then look out. And he doesn't have to have a 10-sack season. He doesn't have to be uh, Joey Bosa. Because of the depth at the defensive end position, you have Carlos Dunlap, you got George Karloftis, you got Mike Dan, and Mike Dan has had a great scam. So just give 30 great snaps, Frank. And if he gives this team 30 great snaps a game, look out. I'm just telling you, look out. He's different. I it's like somebody got into Frank's body, that it's been impressive, and I'm like, man, stay there, Frank. 
you mentioned Carl Loftus, and he's such an intriguing prospect. And you know, going back to even when he was a high school prospect, a guy from right there in the middle of Indiana decides to stay close to home and, and go to Purdue. He was a big-time prospect. He could have gone to Michigan. He could have gone to Ohio State. He went and did it with the home team Boilmakers and, and had a great career. What have you seen, and what does he still have to learn to be that guy that a lot of people believe he can be at that next level? And stayed there. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this transfer portal stuff. So let's take that scenario. And, and he was showing signs of being an elite Big Ten player. I mean, probably ask the Iowa coaches yes. about him. And he stayed there. Like, I could go to Michigan or Ohio State now or Alabama or Georgia, but I'm going to stay here at Purdue. And it tells you a lot about him. Uh, he's very mature, very emotionally and mentally mature. And that is a big part of this rookie class. These guys, uh, they just get it. And Carlotas is, I mean, they're, they're giving him everything they can get in. Joe Cullen is giving him like prostate exams every day. He's just up his tail and Frank's helping him, but he's getting all this input and he's soaking it in. He's not shying off. So he's a little bit old school in that regard. Now his motor is like those Indy cars that I watched at the Hy-Vee Indy car race at, in Newton two weeks ago. His motor's revved up all the time. Not just when they drop the flag on the, on the caution and the restart. It's all the time. He has got incredible energy. Um, I'm not trying to oversell him, but I'm telling you, he brings a lot of virtue to this team. He made a play there yesterday, yesterday where he gets a, a um, pressure to Mahomes' right and then basically just takes the ball from Mahomes. It would have been a uh, not a scooping score, but a grabbing score. It was just very quick and powerful and, and energetic. But again, he doesn't have to be Joey Bosa. Mm-hmm. He just to be George Karloftis, but Tied together, these four guys, what looked to be a position of weakness or uncertainty now is like a brick strong with uh, the addition of Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark. Maybe if he stays healthy, zeroing in on maybe the best year of his career. Frank Clark is a big dude. 6'3", 272 is what he's listed at. I'm going to guess he could put down a whole Papa John's pizza all by himself. (laughs) Well, I don't know. He's, He's... he would say, "I'll just, I, I love it." He goes, "I love Papa John's pizza, but I'll do it in moderation." And these, uh, even for lunch, these spicy pepperoni rolls that they've got for five forty nine, good until August the twenty first. But get them while they last. In the in your Papa John's all throughout Central Iowa, Tom and Matt Donaldson, though the biggest story there is what they do for Leukemia Lymphoma Society, uh, what they do for juvenile diabetes. You're not only getting pizza, you're helping them help Iowans who need it the most. They're Fabulous, folks, the Donaldsons. That they are. You're fabulous, Mitch. Thanks for the report. We'll do it again tomorrow at 1050. Appreciate it. Thanks, Trent. Just send the word, though. Frank's reborn, man. Stay right there, buddy. I will, no doubt. That is Mitch Holtis. He is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, and you'll be hearing him starting Saturday. Bears-Chiefs, game one of the preseason. One hour down, one more to go. Coming up, 11.05. We got a lot coming your way next.